And man, I'm, I'm so excited about being here and being able to share what I, I feel the Lord put in my heart. And I got to jump right into this. And also, I don't want nobody to think we antisocial, but I have a wedding on the other side of Orlando in two hours. So, so that's why I got to jump right into this today. Uh, so I just, I don't want y'all to think we antisocial. We actually like people. So, but we're going we're gonna to jump right into, we're going to Ruth chapter three. I'm going to jump into what I believe the Lord has shared today. Uh, Father, we just, we thank you so much for the visionary of this amazing organization. Oh God, we thank you that you've broken her heart over the condition of women. And moreover, that they might be made whole. So we thank you right now, Lord God, that you will continue to give her wisdom and understanding and grace and insight and everything she needs in order to further this great vision of bringing hope and help and healing to those who are without fathers and those who are in less than desirable states and conditions. Now, Father, we know that the uh, answer to the question of how do we make change is leadership. So we thank you that you have gifted and given grace to Shaquanda to lead this people into a better place through this ministry. We ask in Jesus' name that you'll bless this organization, continue to bring it into places that she could have never imagined. And we'll be mindful to give you the thanks and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, I, I wanna I wanna dive right into this and and uh, I, we're going to, I'm going to read a scripture from Ruth chapter three. You know, I know everybody go to, go to Ruth when they're looking for a Boaz. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, one of the things I'm going to show you in this text is that, that that's not why she went to Boaz. Uh, Ruth chapter three, verse nine. And it says, and he, Boaz, said, who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth thine handmaiden. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaiden, for thou art a near kinsman. Now, you know, she, she actually, she went to him looking for a father. Uh, she actually went looking for a father and found a husband. And this term, spread your skirt over me, means that she was really coming for his covering. And she found a husband under a covering. And so I, I want to talk about the implications of fatherness, fatherlessness. We're going to talk about mend, mending fatherless voids. Now, first thing I want you to, to uh, tell somebody is that you can become what you never had before. But, but how many know it's through a process? So it doesn't matter. Your life should not be defined by what you're missing. Amen. You should never accept an identity based on what you're lacking. You know, for example, it's like when I, you meet people and you ask them, you know, what's your marital status? Oh, I'm a divorcee of 10 years. Listen, you had 10 years to change your title. Basically, you telling me what you're missing. <laughs> Amen. You had time to go through process so that you can say, I'm, I'm hello, single and ready to mingle. Hello, somebody. The only thing worse than not having a father is never knowing why you needed one in the first place. You know, I, I, I'll be 53 in a couple of months, and uh, I lost my father uh, uh, before I knew I had one. I lost my father at two years old. He died in a car accident. And so I've grown up all my life without a father, per se. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, the first person I saw as a father was my pastor. And it healed me. Who am I talking to already? The first person I saw as my father was my pastor. And it healed me. Now, why? Look, somebody tell them, fathering is an assignment. Fathering has more to do with your spiritual assignment than it does your biological disposition. Oh, come on, somebody. What if God has chosen another way to father you? Y'all didn't hear what I just said. You know, if you look through your family tree, your abandonment was a rescue mission. Y'all did not hear what I said. Anybody else realizing now that God rescued me from something that had I actually been raised by, I would have actually been buried by? So I don't know about you, but I look back at, I look at my family history and some things that, that are on the Jones side and the Jackson side, and I thank God that the only father I've really ever really known is God. And those that God put in position for the assignment. Somebody shout, it's an assignment. The only thing worse than not having a father is, is never even knowing why you needed one. So watch this now. So fatherlessness creates a, watch this, a malformation in the soul. Oh, come on, somebody. Y'all, there are many people that say, well, I turn out just fine without one, right? And the problem with that is that that malformation can actually repel the very thing you want in your life. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, you got to be aware of what you did not have has done to you. Now, here's something I want you to take note of. It's not your fault that your father abandoned you. It's not your fault that your mother created a situation where, where she decided if I can't have you, you can't have your kids. Right. That's, that's not your fault. But it is your responsibility to recover from the implications yes. of what has happened to you. Somebody shout, it's not my fault, not my fault. but my healing is my responsibility. My Come on, tell somebody it's not my fault what they did. But me, come on, but, but me getting healed is my responsibility. Why? Because I got a kingdom life to live. I have an effective life to live. And I'm not going to endeavor to live a kingdom life when I have all these missing pieces. Y'all realize that sometimes wholeness comes in pieces. All right? So this, if, if, this deform, if a deformity can happen in a mother's womb, and it can, then there's also a malformity that can happen in the father's womb. Now, why, why am I saying a father's womb? Because there's some of us that are under the, the, the misunderstanding that fathers don't have wombs. And that's, that's, not, that's furthest from the truth. Y'all got that? As a matter of fact, in a father's room, womb, there is protection and covering. Now, I'm going to show you what I mean by that. You all know from a biological standpoint, the woman has the womb and she births you into what this natural world. You're here because you successfully made it through a, a woman's womb, right or right? But now when you come under the, why did, why did Ruth say, may I come under your skirt? Because when you come under a skirt of the father, you come into his womb. Oh, y'all did not hear what I just said. Tell somebody, fathers have wombs too. It's just that we are to carry you into maturity. See, if a woman brings you into the natural world, then it's a father that brings you into this a whole nother, a whole nother world or dimension when it comes to your potential, when it comes to your purpose, and when it comes to the, the father's intention concerning your life. So fathers do have wounds. There are many daughters in this room right now that the reason that they have come to maturation and healing is because they've been in my womb. Yeah. 
Oh, come on, somebody. If you're under my covering, you're in my womb. You are healing by virtue of a, why, the, the womb is a safe place. It's a place where you're formed into everything you were supposed to be. It's a place where you're nurtured by the life of somebody else. Y'all did not hear what I just said. You were supposed to be nurtured by the life of somebody else. Y'all got that? Somebody shout, fathers have wombs. So watch this now. So, so under the covering of a father, there is protection, which means that you are supposed to be shielded from physical harm. And fathers will do that by force. You understand that? There is also covering, which is supposed to shield you from spiritual harm. Now, what is a father's covering? So many people say, you know, I'm under so-and-so's covering, right? A father's covering is this. This is what a covering is. Number one, it is righteous living. Yes. See, in other words, righteous living on the part of a father sets a standard in you and a pattern in your soul for what you're supposed to be. It is also the prayer of a father. It is laying a spiritual foundation for those who are under the auspices of that covering. The third thing that you need from a father, is supposed to have gotten from a father, and, and it's a father's responsibility, is provision. Somebody shout provision. provision. Which means to provide for your livelihood and your well-being. Now that was supposed to create an effect. Somebody ask me, what effect? What effect? The effect that you felt cared for. That's what being provided for by a father was supposed to produce in your life. You were supposed to feel. Somebody shout feel. Yeah. You were supposed to feel. Feeling is a function of the soul. So you were, you were supposed to feel that you were cared for. And there are so many souls on the side of my voice that have never been cared for. Now I'm not talking about a mother's kind of care. I'm talking about a father's kind of care, which is a whole different kind of care. Y'all got that? So watch this now. So I already told you that your body is framed by a maternal womb. You are carried to birth. Your soul is supposed to be framed by a masculine womb. Oh, my God. There's a very good reason that God, in his design, gave us a mother and a father. Why? Because there are certain things you only get through the womb and through the nurture and through the design of the mother. And there's certain other things that you only get through the womb and the nature and the design of a father. Because your soul is supposed to be framed by a masculine womb. Every woman on the side of my voice should have experienced a love and, listen, a love and a care for your well-being that had nothing to do with sexuality. Oh, God, help me. And unfortunately, for many of you, the first time you ever felt any kind of affection from the male, it was sexual perversion. And it sets something in you. And watch this now. And it's not aging that helps you get delivered from that. Somebody shout, it's process. Trauma does not self-heal. And there are some of us that don't understand getting older does not mean you have gotten better. You got to commit to a process that is meant to bring healing to your soul. Y'all understand that? There are some things that happen to you that you keep calling you. Tell somebody, it's not you. It's what happened to you. There's some things of your personality. There are other things that are somebody's perversion living in your soul. Tell somebody, you got to get free. Because one of the hardest things to get delivered from is something you've been calling just me. And it's not just you. It is somebody else's perversion living in you because of something that they have done to your soul. 
Y'all got that today? So masculine love. Somebody shout masculine love. Is when you are the benefactor of the love of a man who is 100% interested in your well-being. That's what masculine love looks like. 100% interested in your well-being. All right? And so there's supposed to be a sense of protection in that. When you don't have that sense of protection, that core and foundational protection that comes from a father, then that can create automatically insecurity. Somebody say insecurity. insecurity. What do you mean by that? Which means automatically, before I know you, I think you're a threat. Automatically, before I'm able to discern an environment, I think it's a threat. I can't even live my life without thinking more of the threats than the opportunities that are before me. Now watch this now. And if you think that way, something has happened to you. Now the problem with, we think, oh, I'm, I'm hood and I'm gangster and I see everything. No, that's an impairment. I'm not, that's not a gift. That's a result of something that you are missing. Look at somebody tell me, everybody ain't evil. And the problem, the problem with be, being hypersensitive to danger is that you'll create danger when there is none. You will make people dangerous that are trying to help you. Y'all got that? You will hi- you be hypersensitive to things. Yes, you should notice danger, but you should not mislabel good people and make them dangerous because they're critical to your process. Look, somebody tell them, we're just trying to help you. That covering, when you don't have a covering, the absence of a covering creates vulnerability. That's what it comes down to. If you don't have a covering, if you've never had a covering, if you've never had a father, you've always been vulnerable. See, because it creates a sense of vulnerability. And then that absence of provision, watch this. When you have been absent of the provision of the Father, where you can take it for granted that what I eat, what I drink, what I wear, what I'm going to be covered, I'm going to be protected, then that, watch this. This, is a, this one here will catch you. That creates inflexibility. Oh, my God. When you have never had a Father to provide for you, and to, and to and listen, and to think that it is his mission to do so, it creates inflexibility. Now, what do you mean by that? The inability to adjust and adapt to male leadership. Oh my God. The inability to adjust and to adapt to male leadership. Y'all got that? So you want a husband. How many of y'all are married in the room? All right, most are not, right? So you want a husband, you want relationship, but you'd never be able to, without, without mending this, you'd never be able to adjust to allow leadership. Jesus. Oh, come on somebody. But then the moment that you realize that he's not leading, you'll resent him for not leading. But that inflexibility in the first place is created by the absence of a person who felt that it was their responsibility to provide for you. Y'all got that? So now watch this now. So here are some attributes. And we're going to get all the way down to how to get fixed, how to, somebody shout, I'm getting free and I'm staying free. I'm getting free and I'm staying free. But I want to talk about some attributes and residual. Somebody shout residual. Residual. That can come from not having your father or a father in your life. Number one, and this one is huge right now, especially in this generation, false masculinity. What do you mean by that? There are many women that because they never had a a father in their life, 
they take on what I call false masculinity. And they don't even realize that they're trying to become the man they never had. And so all of a sudden, they listen, all of a sudden, they began taking on very masculine overtones when it comes to how they live their life. Y'all know what this is? Trauma. That is trauma. You see that? Because there's nothing. Look somebody and tell them there's nothing about you that's supposed to be masculine. Now, you know where many of us get messed up? You think that in order to be strong, you have to be masculine. And anybody in the room know that you can be feminine and strong too? Oh, come on, anybody in the room know that you can be feminine and strong? So it's one thing to be strong. That's emotional strength. It's another one to be masculine. Y'all got that? And then we wonder why there's so many, even in the body of Christ, are creeping into lesbianism. And here it is. It's because I'm trying to be the man I never had. Number two. Number two. And this one right here. How many, raise your hand if you want to be married. Don't, don't, come on, don't lie. All right. You want to be married. All right, this one right here. All right, let me, let me help you. Let me help you. This one's going to help you right here. This one's going to help you right here. When, when, this is another residual that you can carry from fatherlessness. Write this down or, or record it. The overprojection of strength. Oh my God. The, somebody shout overprojection. Now, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? If, the, if you meet people, and this is what you announce yourself, I don't need a man. I'm good all by myself. I made new colors by myself, and I can do everything I need. Look somebody tell them, we know you're strong, but why you keep uh, announcing it? We know you're strong, but why do you feel you need to keep announcing it? Now, you said you want to be married, right? Now, you want a strong man or a sissy boy? I'm just asking. I'm, do you, hello, do you want a man that eyebrows look better than yours? Do you want, do you want a man that lets you solve all the problems? Come, somebody shout, I want a man man. If you keep over projecting masculine strength, you will only attract feminine men. You don't want no feminine man in no crisis. You want a man-man. Y'all got that? We have a problem. My wife looking at me, I ain't looking at her talking about what we gonna do. That, no, no. Y'all understand that? I don't make decisions based on how I feel. I make decisions based on what is the best decision to make for her and my family. We don't need two, emo two extremely emotional people in no marriage. Oh, come on somebody. Got a man crying more than you do. <laughs> but now here is the point. If there is residual of from fatherlessness, somebody shout, there's an overprojection of strength. Y'all got that? Now let me help you, single ladies. All the single ladies. Let, let me help you right now. If you over, I know you strong. I know you get it done. I know you can do it by yourself. I know you can't, you've done well. Single. <laughs> the over projection of your strength is a turnoff yes. to the kind of man you will really honor. 
you know, I had to walk my I had to walk my daughter through this because my daughter's married to a wonderful man, great man. Does a great take care of his family. He's about his business. He makes sure his family is taken care of, right? But now I told my daughter because she got my personality. I'm like, now listen. I said, I know, I know you strong. I said, but you don't need to be advertising that in your relationship with with no man. Just so, you know, the fear of abandonment. Yes. I already know you're going to leave me. So I just want you to know I'll be fine when you do. Ooh. That's the fear of abandonment is still living in your testimony. So because you, I already know you're going to leave me because men don't stay. So when you do, just know I pay my own bills and I can do this without you. Now, what's for dinner? The only thing you can draw into your life, if that's the way you operate, is a sissy man. Is a feminine leaning man that run home to his mama when he have a problem with you. All right, let's move on. The absence of a father can also, write this down, it can create male resentment. Okay? Which is the great incapacitator of respect. Number one need of all men is what? To feel, to, to feel respected. Y'all got that? Number one need of all women is what? You say love, but you know it's security. To feel secure. When you feel secure, you know you're loved. Isn't that right? But let me show you what, what I found out about a man. We're dealing with that this morning. Dealing with that this morning, right? In crisis calls, right? When a man feels disrespected, he acts unlovely. And he operates in a very non-securing fashion. But now see, if this, if this residual from fatherlessness still lives in your soul, then it automatically creates male resentment. You married a male because you know you want a marriage, but you resent males because of the one still living in your soul. Jesus, help us. Help us, Father. So now, no matter what we got to deal with, it doesn't even matter. Even if it's a two issue, I'm going to give you a 10 response. Oh my Because it don't make no doggone shame, I gotta tell you, baby. Okay, that's a little too masculine. I want you to tell somebody a two issue does not solicit a 10 response. But but where is the extra coming from? Where is where is the extra coming from? Blowing things out of proportion. Male resentment. Y'all got that? Remember this. I love you and I need you are not the same thing. And nobody wants to feel like, no, you need me. You don't love me. Nobody wants to feel that way. So this is why we got to correct these things that are going on within our soul. Number four, the absence of fathers can create insecurity. We talked about that. And that is, what is insecurity, right? The inner narrative that everything and everyone is a threat. Y'all got that? So insecurity really has nothing to do with another person per se, more than it does a narrative that I carry into relationship. Matter of fact, your insecurities can draw the person that, that you don't want into you. Oh my God. The very thing that I fear has come upon me. Those very insecurities can be a basis of who's attracted to you. 
Which means you should resolve your insecurities before you start dating. So many of us, we rush into relationship absent of a process to be in them. Look at somebody tell make sure you hold enough for the relationships you want. Oh, come on, tell somebody, make sure you're whole enough for the relationships you want. Before there is a marriage, there's supposed to be personal work that's done to make sure that we're in the best possible state. I'm not saying that we're perfect. And I'm not saying that your marriage ain't going to try your soul, because it will. Oh, yes, it will. Look at somebody tell them, up close personal relationships drive all of my issues to the surface. Hello, somebody. Hello, somebody. None of my issues were created by my wife. They were driven to the surface by trying to relate with my wife. Y'all got that? So we got, somebody shout, I got work to do. Come on, say it again. I got work to do. Now, here's the news. We all have work to do. You know, the question is, are you actually doing the work or are you talking about the work that needs to be done? Talking about the work ain't doing the work. Y'all got that? For example, if 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 Elistria and those in the back said, we're going to prepare a wonderful meal for y'all and there were no utensils and there were no pots, there were no pans, there was no fish. Are they really doing the work? Watch this now. You're not doing the work. Your tools tell me you're doing the work. Ask somebody, where are your tools? Come on, somebody. What have you brought to the what have you brought to the scene of your life to make sure that you are in reparation mode? What have you brought to the scene of your life to make sure you're actually doing the work to become a whole soul? Who's mentoring you? What what books are you reading? Are we going to just keep, watch this now, are we just going to keep praying that God heals trauma or realize that God told us to, re- listen to me, the recovery of your soul is your responsibility. God save your spirit. You got to save your soul. Okay. God saved your spirit. But he said, work out your own. Oh, hello, somebody. Tell somebody, you got to save your own soul. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by what? Somebody shout, my soul is my responsibility. What do you mean by that? My mind, my will, my emotions, my intellect, my reasoning, my judgment, my frame of reference. I got to recover those from the stuff that happened to me. Y'all got that? God ain't going to come down here and heal heal your your reasoning. Oh, you got to learn the reason different. Anybody figured out yet? The Holy Ghost is not teaching coping skills. <laughs> Tell somebody, you need a life coach. You need a psychologist. You need somebody that knows how to help you to start reasoning right. Where are your tools? If you want to get whole, you got to have tools. Does that make sense? Now imagine how hard it is to accept help if you think everyone is a threat. I don't want to be telling them people my business. You can't even breathe through your business. You are buried in your business. Isn't that the height of pride? I don't want to be telling them people my business. You can't even breathe through your business. Your business has buried you so long that you are now unrecognizable, hiding in your business. Look at somebody tell me, it's time to get help. Now, and if you're strong, you can admit you're weak. Y'all did not hear what I just said. It takes strong people to be able to admit where they need help. That's what real strength looks like. It doesn't mean I have it all together. It means I can acknowledge where I am and be committed to a process to bring me to a new place. Somebody shout, that's strength. strength. Vulnerability, number five, vulnerability is what will 
normally be a residual to not having a father. What do you mean by that? Vulnerable to any man or anyone that baits you with attention, affection, or affirmation. Y'all got that? Yes, sir. And that's what vulnerability looks like. Anyone gets your attention. Anyone gives any affection. Anyone gives any affirmation. Your hair look nice. Oh, he liked me. Oh, girl. <laughs> that's, that's my boyfriend. That's my workmate. <laughs> nah, he just said your hair look nice. Here's number six. Chronic, listen. Chronic distrust. Chronic distrust can be another residual from fatherlessness, right? Which also is accompanied with the fear of abandonment. If you still deal with the fear of abandonment, why? Don't no man stay. You know, men always leave. No man is going to be there forever, for always. Nobody does that. That is the fear of abandonment. Y'all got that? Now, here's the problem. If you identify as a person that you know you have the fear of abandonment, the problem with that is what you fear you normally facilitate. If you fear abandonment, you will operate in such a way that nobody with good sense will want to be with you. If you fear abandonment, you'll be the one throwing the first blow. Why? Write this down. Fear makes me, listen to it. Fear makes you preemptive. Oh my God. I'm going to do it to you before you do it to me. But what does that mean? That means that I fear you're going to do it to me. Does that make sense? Somebody shout, we got to get over this stuff. And then also, what can residual, what can be there as a residual is a poor self-estimate. A poor self-estimate. Notice I didn't say self-esteem. A poor self-estimate, right? Which will be reflective in your fear to create boundaries. Okay? Show me a person that has no boundary. Anybody can get anywhere in your life without even pre-qualifications. Come on, somebody. Somebody wants you to do something. You will stop, drop, and roll to do whatever they want. Oh, my God. That means you have no boundaries. That means you have no boundaries. See? But we brag about saying, I, oh, I know I'm helpful. You have no boundaries. Right? You know good and well, this was a time and a day that you were supposed to be doing something that's healthy for you. But somebody called one thing. Stop, drop, and roll. That, that's not a badge of honor. That's trauma. Oh, God. Look at somebody tell them, if I'm healthy, I have to be too busy for you sometime. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, if I'm healthy, I got to tell you no sometime. Why? Because your disapp- I embrace your disappointment because your disappointment is a part of my balance. Does that make sense? But when you don't have a right self-estimate, then you're fearful of creating boundaries. You're fearful of telling people no. Does that make sense? Because I don't want anybody to leave me again. Does that make sense? These are, the, these are some of the things that can live in your soul as residuals from not having a father, a protector, provider, covering in your life. All right, so let's talk about how to get free of this and how to stay free of this. How to get free and stay free from carrying around the fatherless daughter syndrome. Now, the first thing I want you to take note of or remember is this. If a relationship broke you, a relationship can fix you. 
If a relationship broke you, it's also a relationship that will fix you. You know, I, I gave an illustration the other day. If somebody being careless wrecked your car, you would have to take to somebody else with skill to fix your car. Isn't that right? So if people hurt you, somebody shout, if people hurt me, it takes people to heal me. There are some of you waiting on God to do what God sent people to do. Y'all not hear what I just said. A good heart won't get you healed. But a good mentor will. A good heart won't get you healed, but a good father will. A good heart won't you get you healed, but a good mother will. Somebody who takes you in their womb again and said, I'm going to labor with you until you become whole. That will get you healed. Y'all got that? So what must I do if I'm going to recover from these things? If I'm going to get free of what has happened to me? All right. I've got to discern the relationships that God sent to heal me. Say that with me. I have to discern the relationships that God sent to heal me. You know what I know for a fact? I know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. It is never, even though, even though your parents and whatever their process of parenting was concerning your life was supposed to bring you to a place of fruitfulness and productivity and wholeness in life, even though it did not, it was never, it has never been God's intention for you to remain in a state of disrepair. Everything you need to survive and thrive, say it with me, it's in my ecosystem. I want you to look at the tree out there. Y'all see that big oak tree? Before that oak tree got planted in the ground, there was this system that brings rain. There was a system that brings nutrients to the soil. There was a system that brings enough light, photosynthesis, right? Somebody shout system. All around you right now, God put a system that's supposed to make you whole again. But now what happens if I go out there and take a crane and dig that tree up? Will it live? It will die. Will it die because God intended it to die? It will die because it's not plugged into the system. Oh, y'all hear what I just said. The system God intended to heal you, you have to discern it and plug into it. Tell somebody, you got to let somebody help you recover. Everybody's not a threat. Not everyone is a threat to your process. Not everyone's trying to hurt you. Y'all got that? I don't want them people in my business. You don't know how to manage your business. Them people need to be in your business. Nobody says that when they get shot or stabbed. Nobody says that. They run, they run down to the hospital and get them people all up in your business. And you go down there, they don't ask you to get undressed, they cut it off you. <laughs> Isn't that right? Look at somebody, tell them, let somebody in. Come on, touch the people, tell them, let somebody in. Touch the people, tell them, let somebody in. Tell them, let somebody in. You have to discern them. You have to allow them. Now watch this now. Here's the third thing I'm gonna show you right now. Okay, because I had to do this in my work, right? You got to engage them. You don't, you don't make your doctor come find you. And if your doctor really loved you, they would have picked it up in the spirit that you was going through stuff. <laughs> Nobody does. If you know, you know why people do that? If you love me, you would have called and checked on me and you dropped me and so you know why people do that? Because if I make it hard enough, I ain't got to do nothing. 
If I make it hard enough to get healed, I don't have to go toward the process. Wow. See that? If you love me, you want to now put it on everybody that's been trying to help you. Y'all got that? If you loved you, you go toward the process you know you need. See that? But now you can, oh, you know, do I? How many of you love yourself, right? How many of you love yourself? Now, watch it now. Everybody raise your hand and say, I love myself, right? Love so, myself. so you love yourself, right? So you know where you are work in progress, right? So wherever that work in progress is, you are already committed to a process, right? Yes. All right. That's how you, you don't love yourself because you say you love yourself. Right. Your self-love is seen by the processes you will go toward to recover from the things you know have been done to you. That's how you know you love yourself, is that you are actively engaging a process to bring out your best self. Does that make sense? Y'all got that? So you got to allow them. You got to discern them, and then you have to engage them. All right, how do I get free and stay free from this fatherlessness? You got to trust, write this down, I'm trusting God's ecosystem. You got to trust God's ecosystem. All right? Now we talked about this, so your, your natural parents created and allowed the atmosphere that you grew up in, right? Whatever that atmosphere was. I don't know about you, but my home was, it was very lovingly toxic. <laughs> what do you mean by that? It's a contradiction really going on. Because on the one hand, I was highly affirmed by my mother. Highly affirmed by my grandmother. Highly affirmed. I, I've never been told, you can't do this, you can't do that, you'll never amount to anything. I never heard those words in a day in my life, okay? But now, on the same time, our home was the house where they moved the furniture and had the parties and the drinking and the drugs. And, you know, I remember waking up and cleaning up, you know, around grown folk, cleaning up stuff, grown folk messed up and so on and so forth. So, watch so there was a lot of affirmation. But that doesn't mean everything that was going on. We had a lot of rage. You know, family, somebody crossed family. Now everybody's over there beating somebody down or whatever the situation may be. Now, the point I'm making is this. That was the atmosphere that my natural family created. And I couldn't do anything about that atmosphere because they were responsible for raising me. I wasn't responsible for raising them. But now what I want you to understand about God's ecosystem. Say God's ecosystem. Right around you right now, God has created an atmosphere to make you whole. And you may be missing it because you have stopped that flesh and blood. You may be missing it because you know good and well that what you've never had in the mother, God put right there in, in sister so-and-so, but you won't make the connection. You know you need what they, what, listen, this is somebody that cares so deeply and you feel it. But you won't be intentional about that relationship. And God's, God's trying to tell you, I want to reparent you. Jesus. Tell somebody, get out the prophetess line. You need to be reparented. Y'all getting on my nerve because you want to be a prophet. You want to be in all these other things. God said, no, you need to go through a reparenting process. We don't need no more broken prophets. We don't need no, you know, this, this is something. I was in, I will Lord. I was in a service last week. Oh my God. I was in a service last week. And pay attention to what I'm going to tell you. So I was in this service and I was listening to somebody that was just going forth in prayer. Going forth in prayer. And as I was in the spirit, I saw knives and darts that were coming out of her mouth. They were her mother's wombs. 
So when she finished being spectacular, I said, hey, you come here. And I said, your mother's still living? She said, yeah. I said, there are some things your mother said to you that were very, very well-meaning. I said, but they, they came from the way they were said and how she handled you. And next thing you know, this woman's going through a full-blown deliverance after being the intercessor of the hour. A full-blown deliverance. Everybody else, oh my God, she can pray. I'm listening. I'm watching. I'm, my eyes are closed. I'm, I'm, my eyes are closed. I'm seeing darts flying out of her mouth. Right? And I knew though that's trauma. That's mother trauma that's coming out of her mouth through her prayer. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know. You may mean well. But you don't know what you're doing to people when you got all this going on and you haven't done the dirty work of getting the stuff that happened to you out of your soul. You don't realize that that stuff can be triggering stuff in people. And even though you shift in the atmosphere, you're causing casualties at the same time. And it's amazing. Good heart. A person with a good heart that never went through an actual process to be freed of mother trauma. Y'all got that? And she was delivered and just weeping and weeping and rolling on the floor. But now, watch this now. But now, the point I'm trying to get you to understand is that we gloss over our needs. We sing over them, we prophesy over them, we pray over them, we all around the church with all this stuff. And then now, we bring people under our, under our ministry. And we never done the dirty work of making sure, I want to make sure that I'm a source of pure water. Look at somebody tell me, there's no room for mixture. I want to make sure that I'm not contaminating people when I'm spewing out of my soul the things that are going through, that are coming from God. I want to make sure it's only that stuff that's going into the lives of other people. So that means somebody said, I got work to do. So we need to make sure that we trust God's ecosystem. Everything you need to heal and become whole and survive and thrive, look at somebody tell me, is right around you. You know what? And it doesn't always have on the collar. Some of your greatest deliverances can come through some of the most unassuming people that ain't about all that. They just possess the very thing you need to come to a whole nother level of wholeness. Y'all got that? Now, here's the third thing we got to do if we want to be free. I've got to be able to identify hidden trauma. Okay? Wherever there's a void, right? Follow this void. Wherever there's a void, there, are, there is trauma. And normally, vices are attempt to fill voids. Vices are attempts to fill voids. What do you mean by that? I, I've been praying because I've been smoking. Well, you listen. You, 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 you're smoking because you have a pattern of unanswered questions. So you took on a vice because of a void. But y'all got that? Y'all understand that? You know, my wife and I were talking about something and she's going through something right now to get an answer. And she's like, I don't know if it's worth all that. And I told her, questions are more costly than answers. Y'all understand that? 
You can't afford to be walking around your life with a question mark over it. Do you realize who will take advantage of you? Y'all realize that not everybody that's good for you will notice the questions? And normally they will fill themselves in as a solution. And normally you're ensnared by somebody you thought would answer the question, which really imposed the vice. Does that make sense? So we got to be able to identify hidden trauma and make sure. Now, you don't have to go far, right? All you got to do, ask somebody, where are your vices? If you, if you can identify, listen, literally, that's the tale. If you say, what is my vice, right? You trace that vice back to a void. And then you ask, what is the void and where did it come from? Now you're on the path to healing. Does that make sense? It's literally as simple as that, all right? Everything you're going through, you could trace to something you never had. Amen. Listen, everything you do that you don't want to do, you need to do. Oh, y'all did not hear what I just said. I don't care if you're sleeping around with people on the down low, whatever the situation may be. Everything you do, you need to do. I didn't say it was good for you. I said you need to do it. Somebody shout, why? why? Wherever there's permission, there's a perversion. If you let yourself fornicate with other people, you need to. Wherever there's a permission, there is a perversion. So you got to say, what is the permission that I have given to this? Now, listen to this. Wherever there's a permission, right? How many of y'all ate today? How many of y'all ate? Y'all ate food, right? You permitted yourself to eat. Why? You were hungry. Is hunger a bad thing? Also, uh, hunger is a legitimate need. So the reason you gave yourself permission to be fed by Elystra's oily food is because, right? She put oil on it. She prayed over it. That's what the lady said. The reason that you allowed yourself to be fed by the anointed food, because y'all thought I was being salty, is because your hunger, somebody said a legitimate need, I'm trying to meet a legitimate need through illegitimate means. So why I'm still smoking? You ain't struggling with smoking. You're struggling the fact that you have a need you don't know how to meet. I don't know why. I told the Lord I wasn't going to do it again. I'm sleeping with somebody else. You ain't struggling with fornication. You're struggling with a legitimate need that you don't know how to meet. All you ever wanted was your father just to hug you and say, I love you. That's that too much to ask? That's all you ever wanted was for him to, to uh, affirm you as a, as a person. You see that? But because you don't have dad, you fall in anybody's arms. And it never satisfies because it's a vice. And you cannot, you cannot address traumatic issues with vices. Those create patterns that are meant to eventually destroy your life. Y'all got that? So here's the fourth thing that we have to do. There are many of you, oh my God, this is going to sound so crazy to you, but trust me, if you, if you trust me on this, and there are some people that can witness to this in the room, it will actually recover you. There are some of you that some of your deliverance is going to come through reparenting your parents. Look somebody telling you, you're going to have to raise your mama. Tell somebody, you're going to have to teach your daddy how to, how to treat you. Oh my God. It takes strength to teach. Your daddy's still living, which means you can now attempt 
to teach him how you should have been treated. Well, he shouldn't take all that. I shouldn't have to go through all that. Um, um, Esmeralda. You need that. You need that more than he needs that. Y'all got that? So how do you do that? Honest conversations that you need to have. Y'all got that? For some of you right now, your healing is in a conversation that you've been avoiding having. Because I don't want them to think I'm acting funny. I don't want to. It is not an act of dishonor to get clarity. Y'all got that? Honest conversations. All right. You may have to coach your parents into a proper posture towards you. Y'all got that? You may have to do that. Now, watch it now. You do that if you, the strength of your spirit gives you the ability to do that. Now, and it doesn't matter how your needs get met as long as they get met. You see that? Well, I feel like I, he only doing it because I told him to do it. You're the first person to tell him to do it. You are literally the first parent he ever had. Wow. Now you're mad. Well, he only calling me because I told him to call me. You are the first person to teach him a proper responsibility toward his child. Now you're mad because now I've got to complicate this issue by saying he only doing it because I asked for it. Isn't that crazy? The server only brought you water because you asked for it. Come on, somebody. Your doctor only cared for your wounds because you asked for it. That makes sense, but you took it because somebody shot it's part of my process to get whole. So even if I got to ask you for it, I could be benefited by it. Oh, God, help me. You understand that? You know, you, if you, some of you have the latitude that realistically, the only reason that you don't have a relationship with your father is because of your mother's version of the situation. And now... Your father ain't mad at you. He's mad at a story he can't fix. Right. That's, good. That's the real issue. But you could fix all of that if you go hop in his lap. Put your arms around him. Come on, somebody. You get a much different person than the version of him that you were told about. And I'm going to tell you right now, there are, toxic people can be very vindictive when they feel wounded. So you never know why that person decided to stay away. Do you know the threats they live with? Do you know what they lost trying to engage you? Does that make sense? Number five, adjusting your lenses and managing your expectations. There are some things that don't change until you change the way you see things. Y'all got that? Somebody shout, I need a lens adjustment. Now, another thing I'm gonna help you to understand. You may endeavor to see clarity from your biological father and you may never actually get the answers you wanted. Now, why? Ask me why. Because, listen to me, they gave you the best they could with the tools they had. So that means you have to manage your, your expectations of that engagement. Does that make sense? All right. And then you need to do the work, the soul work. Somebody shout soul work. We need to do the soul work necessary to make sure that we recover from these things that have been imposed upon our souls because of fatherlessness. And that soul work looks like tools. Somebody shout tools. tools. What, where are, if you really want to recover, if you really want to be whole, if you really want help, if you really want to become the soul God intended, where are your tools? 
Come on, somebody. Where are your tools? Where is your mentorship? Where are the resources that you brought in your life to specifically address the affected area of your soul? Somebody shout, health can be taught. Anybody ever taught anybody how to be healthy? Yes, you have. Because health can be taught. Now, listen to me. Two things and I'm done. There's a part of your recovery that you have to get by being taught. But there's a secondary part of your recovery that can only be caught. Oh, my God. What do you mean by that? Last thing. Exposure. Exposure. Which means that right now, God has put a healthy male. Oh, come on, somebody. God has put a healthy male in your ecosystem right now for the purposes of you connecting to that health and that strength and that sense that this person cares about me, loves me, wants the best for me, and it will never become sexual. Y'all got that? Now, you know what that's called? That's called fathering. And it doesn't matter if it's biological or not. What matters is that you identify it and that you engage the process. Because certain parts of your recovery are taught through the tools that you bring into your life. But the other part of your recovery is by being in the proximity. Oh, my God. In the proximity of someone that you know, when I engage them, ain't no perversion in that engagement. Everything about that, that engagement with that man is pure. Y'all know, you know what I'm talking about? Everything about my relationship with this man makes me want to be a better person. I don't feel judged. Oh my God, I don't, I don't feel threatened. I don't feel like that. He got ulterior motives. Everything about my relationship with this man makes me want to be a better person. Tell somebody, that's your father. That's who God has chosen to father you into the fullness and the maturity that he's purposed concerning your life. You know, I'm going to close with this. I met with somebody yesterday, one of my meetings yesterday. Somebody told me, that they, their first statement, they said, oh, my God, I was so nervous to be here today. And I said, nervous. I said, what, what do you, your nervousness about me tells me that you got a story running in you that had nothing to do with me. What do you think this is all about? Well, God been telling me I need to, I need to engage you more as a father. So I'm trying to figure out how to do that. You know, what I told her, I said, you just did it. I say it's happening right now. It's happening right now. You got to lean into this awkwardness. You know what it came down to? This person, right, was really staying away from fathering because of a pastor's wife that thought, uh, I'm sorry, of a woman that thought that they were attracted to their husband. And even though they were getting what they needed in the relationship, fathering, the intimidation of this wife caused them to push away from the process. Now, all us dealing with this. We in your life to help you, but we got to fight. We got to fight your history to help you. And I said to this person, I said, that story needs to, I, and I told this person this, and I'm telling it to you. This is the reason I brought it up, right? There's some of you right now that you have some things living in you, some stories. They got to die. They got to die. That love keeps no records of wrongs. You can be ruined by your records. Are you hearing me? You could be, it, if it doesn't serve your well-being, why do you leave it in storage? The problem with keeping records in storage is that there's no room for anything else. And I said, this person, it's time for you 
to get rid of those records. Those records have nothing to do with what God is doing in your life right now. And I looked at them and I look, I'm looking at you and I said, and understand this, all right? My relationship with you will never become sexual. Never. I'm interested in your soul. I'm interested in who you are becoming. I understand my assignment. You need to understand my assignment in your life. Y'all understand that? Father, we thank you right now for what you are doing in the lives of so many of the women that are in this room right now. We 